The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in like manner, the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He then said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. 
you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, Follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. There is more than one fishing expedition in the gospel that has been placed before us today, and it is important to recognize that. The lesser fishing expedition is what happened in St. Peter's boat, that long night casting the net on the water and receiving nothing in return for that effort. But what happens in this marvelous incident, which in its own way illustrates for us the meaning of that wonderful line in our responsorial psalm, weeping settles into the night, but with the dawn there comes rejoicing. And we see here a movement of the disciples onto the lake, onto the Sea of Tiberias in the night. And the casting of the net time and time again into those deep waters, a casting of the net that comes back empty every single time. And that might sound to us very familiar to what our prayer often feels like. In the dark of doubt, in the dark of confusion, in the dark of all of those things we need and the many ways we are weak, and the desire to grow, the desire to move, the desire to experience grace, and the casting out of the net of faith, the net of devotion, the net of prayer, time and time again, and yet finding it coming back to us curiously empty despite all of our effort. This is very much what is happening here. The disciples have gone out onto the lake not to make money. This is not a business venture at this point. They are seeking to come to terms with everything that has happened since Jesus died and appeared to them risen from the dead. They go out onto that lake just as we have come into these benches here with the ocean in the background behind us. And we've come here with our spiritual nets in our hand, casting them, hoping for some kind of return. And the curious thing is that through all of this, Apparently, Jesus isn't there. They're on their boat. They're in the lake. They're by themselves. And yet it turns out 
through all of this, he has been quietly nearby. In the dark of night, they do not see him. In the dark of night, they do not hear him. And yet, he is there. And it is at that moment that he chooses to reveal himself that night comes to an end. And we have to recognize that. This is not mere coincidence. It's not the sun came up and Jesus happened to be there. No. Jesus is there and so the sun comes up. Spiritually, that is what happens. Night comes to an end when Christ shows his face. And so it is then that it is the appearance of Jesus that is the break of day, that is the coming of light. They do not recognize him, but the light has begun to break. And in that light, they see the shore. In that light, they see someone standing there. And in seeing, they are ready to hear. And so he asks that question, have you caught anything? Jesus already knows the answer to that question. He's been watching that net go out all night long. And yet he is pleased to ask the question so that they speak that word of futility in his presence. And note what he says to them. Cast the net over the right side of the boat. What a marvelously ambiguous expression that is in English. Does it mean the side that is not the left side? Or does it mean the correct side? Guys, you've been throwing the net over the wrong side of the boat all night long. But the main point is, cast your net in the direction that I indicate. Not according to how you think it's best. Cast it in the direction I point. Cast it according to my direction, not your own. And at that point, having been able to hear the word of Christ, and they cast the net following his instruction, It is fruitful, abundantly and immediately fruitful, so heavy they can't even pull it back in. How absolutely remarkable. After all of the fruitlessness comes an abundance that they were not ready for. They would have been happy with a net that was reasonably full, and they are given a net abundantly full, as empty as the night was, morning is filled with abundance. As dark as the night was, morning is filled with light. As silent as the night was, a single word from Christ is enough to change everything. And at this point, Jesus is pointed out and recognized, and St. Peter, in that wonderful way of his, will not wait, because if the Lord is near, he moves in his direction. This is the fundamental greatness of St. Peter. If Christ is nearby, he will not wait. Even the disciple whom Jesus loved doesn't leave the boat. But Peter dives into the water 
swims immediately to Christ because he will not wait. He beats all of the others to that shore because Christ is there. And we find that as they arrive, Christ has been preparing for their arrival. This is the other marvelous detail in the story. There's a fire, a charcoal fire, already burning. There is already food on that fire for them. All the while, they were casting their net fruitlessly in the water, apparently wasting their time. Christ has been preparing for them on the shore. They are casting the net, and the Lord builds the fire. They are casting the net, and the Lord kindles the fire. They are casting the net, and the Lord places the bread. They are casting the net, and the Lord has made the fish ready. We often forget that. In looking at our own effort, we often forget that the Lord is doing something too. And that the real work in the spiritual life is on his side. Even as the disciples are throwing their net in the darkness, the Lord is preparing a welcome for them on the shore. So that when they arrive, everything is made ready for them. We don't surprise the Lord. The Lord is prepared for us. And the Lord prepares a welcome for us. And the Lord prepares a reception for us. Note how wonderful that is. We use this language of welcoming the Lord into our hearts, but if we pay attention to Scripture, more often than not, it's the Lord who's doing the welcoming. It is the Lord who is preparing the place. It is the Lord who is setting the table. And that is what we see here. In fact, we have this marvelous instant of the Lord's breakfast as he begins to feed his disciples and note that he gives them the bread. He gives them the fish. They are fed from his hand and from his fire. And this is important. The Lord calls to them. They see him. They respond. He blesses them with the abundance in the net but he has another abundance waiting for them on the shore, an abundance that comes directly from his hand. And so they come and they draw near and they are fed by him as we in just a few minutes will be fed from this table, from this altar. And it is again Christ himself who will feed us. But then something happens after that wonderful feeding that the Lord has for his apostles, that the Lord has for his church. And it happens now with St. Peter. This beautifully mysterious threefold questioning of Peter. And we have an echo here in this morning at a charcoal fire of something that happened in the darkness of night around another charcoal fire. 
where Peter stood as the guards were warming themselves by a charcoal fire and denied knowing Jesus three times. And here, by this second charcoal fire, burning in the bright light of day, Jesus speaks to Peter. Simon, son of John, and the questions are beautiful and important. The first question in particular is surprising. It is not, do you love me? It is, do you love me more than these other guys do? What an interesting question that is. Imagine that if the Lord asked you that question. Do you love me more than every other person here in this place? And we grow up thinking that I can't say yes to that because that's puffing myself up. And yet Jesus is waiting for Peter to give him a yes. How interesting. Because what Jesus is asking here is not, are you puffed up and proud? But are you aspiring after greatness in your love for me? Do you want a love for me that is beyond the ordinary? Are you willing to love me in a way that has an excellence about it? Do you want to love me beyond the level of the merely average? Do you love me more than these others? Not are you better than them, but are you aspiring to something more in your love for me? Would that we all say yes to that question. And so Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, but it's with that note of, I want that love to be strong, ardent, and constant. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. And Peter breathes a sigh of relief, thinking, okay, we're good now. And Jesus says, but I really got to know, do you love me? Now there's no issue of how is your love stacking up against anybody else's. Now the question is, how real is it really? Do you love me? And Peter has to pause here because he can't answer this second question off the top of his head. He has to look deeper into that heart that once believed its love was so strong it would never fail and confront the fact that his love had failed. And looking at that, he has to dig deeper and answer from a deeper place in his life. Yes, Lord, I do. And Jesus asks him to feed his sheep. And then Peter rightly is saying, okay, I've affirmed it, we're good. Jesus comes the third time and says, but I really need to know, do you love me? This threefold questioning is not simply Jesus doing tit for tat with Peter's three denials. That's not what's going on here. This is Jesus throwing his net and Jesus is fishing. He's throwing the net of these questions deep into Peter's heart. And he's fishing for a deep and real love. 
that Peter doesn't even know is there. Jesus, with these questions, is throwing the net into Peter's life. And so finally, Peter is stung, and he says, Lord, you know everything. You know the answer. Of course Jesus knows the answer. Peter didn't know the answer. That's the beautiful thing here. Jesus is pulling out of Peter a love and a strength for love that he never knew was there. How absolutely wonderful that is. This is the big fishing expedition. This is the real act of fishing. Jesus reaching into the depth of this great apostle's life and surfacing a greatness that the apostle himself didn't know was there. All of a sudden, Peter is answering from a personal depth he had never touched before. All of a sudden, he is responding to Jesus. Note how important it is for him to be stung by the question because it opens him up to a depth of his life and his character that is greater than any space he ever operated out of before. Jesus tells him then, tend my lambs. He speaks of his future and how he will give his life for the gospel, and then he says, follow me. This is the last thing that Jesus says to St. Peter. The last word Jesus has to St. Peter is follow me. We often think of that being the first word Jesus says to somebody. And then we start. Jesus shows us he'll keep repeating that expression, follow me. But it means something different every time. Because he's telling Peter, don't follow me like you used to follow me. Don't follow me like somebody who doesn't know me. Don't follow me like somebody whose love for me is weak. You follow me out of that love. Now you're ready to follow me into the fullness of life. Follow me. How marvelous. How marvelous. We will move from this beach and you will follow me. And your following of me will bring you to my lambs and my sheep. Because the other lesson Jesus teaches is this. There is no love for God that is real that doesn't involve love for all of those others that God loves. We Christians often forget that. We love the idea of me and the Lord. It gets a little sloppy when it includes everybody else. And yet, note, if you love me, you will care for those whom I love. If you love me, you will care for those who belong to me. If you love me, you'll love them too. Follow me. Note how wonderful all of this is and how it unpacks for us the meaning of that beautiful grace we prayed for at the very beginning of Mass of having a renewed youthfulness of spirit. Peter was an old man in his guilt, an old man in his weakness, an old man in his futility. And now in this abundance, 
in the strength of love that Christ has called out of him, even though physically his body hasn't gotten any younger, his heart is young. His life is made new, and there is a marvelous vigor about him now. Follow me in that love. As we said in just a few minutes, we'll come forward and the Lord will feed us. And don't be surprised when you go back to your place and close your eyes in the bench if he asks you that question too. Do you love me? He knows the answer, but he asks the question because sometimes we don't really know the answer. Let him pull that deeper love out of you. And listen for that beautiful word when you see that love which follows it. Follow me. Amen.